Well, hello, everybody, again. Uh, this is Kyle Lippincott and Thor Smith. Uh, Thor, how are you this evening? Fantastic, man. Glad to be here. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Uh, just kind of excited to uh, introduce our guest today. Uh, he's in the bull business uh, pretty deep, but he's also a PBR world champion bull rider, uh, Cody Lostro. Uh, welcome welcome to the to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I sure appreciate it and excited to, to talk to you. Heck yeah. So 2009, uh, 10 years ago, does that, does it see, almost 10 years ago, I guess, at the end of the year, uh, does it feel like, like it was that long ago? <laughs> Man, some some days it feels like it was just yesterday, and, and then other times it feels like a whole lifetime ago. Uh, 10 years is a long time in, in bull riding years for sure. You were pretty young when you won it, though, weren't you? I was fairly young, probably about average for most guys. I was 24. Okay. Um, definitely was in there a few years before I had that kind of success. wasn't wasn't no Jess Lockwood by no means. <laughs> Man, that kid is kid is something else. He's on fire. So when I'm sure growing up, you you rode you rodeoed and this and that, and you had a everyone has goals, but. Was was one of your goals to to ride in the PBR and be a world champ, or did you did you ever see see that coming as a kid? Yeah, as a kid, man. Uh, I tell you what, I I was really when I was really young, I I was not good at riding bulls or steers at the time at all. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, at that time, my ultimate goal was just to be able to stay on something, <laughs> and uh, eventually I got to the point where I was able to do that and. And and got to be fairly good at riding bulls, and then yeah, it was always, you know, the the I always wanted to make the NFR as well, which unfortunately I never got to do. But uh, but the ultimate goal, you know, was was always the PBR, just because um, that was that was everything. You know, it was really growing fast, and the best these amazing bull riders, and probably the the TV coverage that it had as well, kind of. Well, you know, was my generation, I guess, grew up watching the PBR, was really getting the, the television coverage. How old and, were you uh, when you when you started riding? Because the PBR has been around for 25 years. You're 34 years old or so. Uh, so you were, what, nine years old when it hit the scene? Yeah, I was pretty young. I don't I don't remember exactly how what age I was when I began watching it, but I started riding when I was seven. Okay, and, so uh, you were already in that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, and... And yeah, that was kind of the big deal, you know. That was the dream is to make the PBR and 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 succeed there. So when you turned eighteen, you went and bought your PBR permit. You never, you didn't go buy your PRCA permit. I actually bought both, man. Uh, I uh, I just got out of high school and I actually won my PBR permit. Um, I'm trying to remember how I won it. I think I think they gave the top three guys at the national high school finals, their PBR permits. Uh, and so I'd won, you know, won my permit or whatever. And, and so I, I bought my PRCA permit as well. <clears throat> and I was able to go to more rodeos at the time because back then the, the challengers and touring pros, whatever they call them now, uh, were with the PBR were super hard to get into. Um, I remember entering them all the time and, and couldn't hardly get into nothing. But anyhow, I was going to college as well at the time and um, went in the region and or went in our region in college and ended up quitting college to go rodeo full time because I was winning rookie of the year in the PRCA. Um, and then shortly after that, I finally was able to to fill my permit in the PBR and, and kind of kind of took off there. And then I didn't rodeo for several years after that. The PBR was just kind of main, you know, the main focus at that time. Side note, what were you going to college for? <laughs> I was going to college to ride bulls. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Honestly, I just like, wanted to make sure it wasn't like astronomy or something. No, no. Uh, honestly, I, I didn't know why I was going there. I I thought, you know, after high school, you just go to college and that's just what you do. And shortly after I got there, I realized I wasn't happy to be being there. I was happy being on the road, <laughs> riding bulls and and traveling with my friends. So that uh, we just made that decision to to end that part of my life. So I'm pretty sure I've heard bits and pieces of a story. You and Josh Cashel growing up together uh, up there, Colorado. 
I think it, you guys were both on your PBR permits. You guys had some vehicle issues going to Salina, Kansas, maybe. Yep. <laughs> and you wanna you wanna elaborate just a little bit? Man, I've never heard this story. I'm ready. It's, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Uh, you know, so we're 18. We're on our permits and riding bulls is life. Like that's all that matters. We, you know, at that time, anytime there's a practice pen or a bull riding, basically we considered it couldn't happen unless we were at it. Um, so we were everywhere. And we're going, we're entered in a challenger event in Salina, Kansas, and we're driving from Colorado, which is not too far. It's maybe five hours. Um, and we were in Josh's girlfriend's Jeep. And we had actually already left a little late because we forgot about the time change. So we were kind of hustling. And uh, then the Jeep breaks down. We're like, you know, just devastated. So we call a tow truck to tow us to the next town, hoping we can get it fixed real quick and get moving tow truck driver comes and gets us and informs us that he is the only shop in town. There's a tiny little town. I think it was called Grainfield or Grainville, Kansas. And uh, he's the only shop in town and he can't get any parts. This is a Saturday. He can't get any parts till Monday. Um, and so we're totally bummed out thinking we're going to miss this event. And uh, he goes, well, you know, you guys can take my van if you want. So he's got this old, like, minivan, you know, that you'd haul your kids around in, and it's completely gutted. It's got a driver's seat, a passenger seat, and then the back's wide open. And it was me, Josh Cochelle, his girlfriend, and another friend of ours, Tony Rossi. So we jump in this thing, and it does not run worth a crap. Like, it's loud, and you mash the gas pedal to the floor, and it takes you about eight miles to get up to the speed limit. <laughs> And so we are super running late at this point. And I get behind the wheel and I'm giving this old van everything she's got, man. We're flying through. It's probably, I mean, lucky that we didn't hurt nobody, but we're flying through construction zones just as fast as it'll go. And I'm passing people on the shoulder. And uh, we call the, the secretary there at the event and tell her, hey, we're on our way. Don't give away our bulls. We're, we're, we'll be there, you know, just just hold on to him and uh we start getting close and josh and tony they're getting their gear on in the back <laughs> in the back and so to back it up a little bit too so when i'm passing people on the shoulders like i'm i don't know the van might have been airborne a couple times where it's a rough ride and tony's in the back riding his gear bag like a bull <laughs> as we're doing 90 miles an hour down basically through a field on the shoulders of the highway and just hooping and hollering, having a good old time. Anyhow, they get their gear on, and I realize, well, crap, I, I, I got to get my stuff on too. So, I actually had Josh's girlfriend. I stood up in the driver's seat, and she, while I was driving, and she slid in under me to take the wheel without ever stopping. And then I jumped in the back, threw on my gear, and we run into the bull riding, like, you know, skidding to a halt at the front door, run in there, and uh, fortunately. Me and Josh uh, both rode all our bulls. We won first and second. Both filled our permits at that event. Yeah. Who won uh, What's that? Who won first? Uh, I won first. Josh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh won second. He rode a good bull of Jerry Nelson's in the short run. He'd been to the PBR finals. You might remember him called Booby Dance. Yeah. 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 And then uh, I rode a little, little bull called T-Bird that of Jerry's, and I don't – I don't know if he ever went to the finals, but he's a good little bull. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's quite the story there. Wild, wild start in a pretty good finish. That's uh, <laughs> freaking hilarious. So you guys both filled your permits there, and it wasn't soon or long after that that you got that you guys got on tour, right? Yeah, yeah, not long after that. Um, I think Josh he actually got on tour first, and. Uh, I was so so excited for him, and I was so ready to join him there, uh, just because that was you know that was what we dreamed of and what we worked for, um, and uh, yeah, eventually eventually it happened and and it worked out like like we planned. Heck yeah! So so we kind of got a little history of the bull riding and stuff, and now kind of moving into what what we like to talk about, I guess, is the the bull side of things. When I mean you, you bought a place in in Alt and. Uh, you is that I mean is that where you initially bought and 
got cows or did you have some cows throughout the deal or how, how did the, the, the cow deal start for you? Yeah. So the, the cows and buck and bulls and everything started like in 2006. Um, me and my wife, we got married in 2005 and bought a little place just Southeast of Greeley. And it wasn't much, you know, it was just a nice little starter place house on seven acres or something. And anyhow, um, man, you know, in that time, Oh, five oh six oh seven the buck and bull market was just going crazy and uh well, i was just seeing one for sale i think it was actually on the breeders connection it was like a weanling calf it was a mudflinger grandson for and, a million dollars uh, yeah one million dollars so about five <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> uh, now yeah one will work man five's better yeah that's what they say anyhow uh, we just we bought this Weenland bull calf. Now um, I don't remember what we give for him, but probably too much. But at the time, you know, it was just a start. And uh, then we ended up buying a cow bred to Evil Forces from Doug Joseph that had been to the you know Evil Forces been to the PBR final several times. It was a bad dude. Yeah, and um, I don't remember what came next, but we kind of just gradually started buying a few heifers and cows and um, heck. Then I got into doing some embryo work and everything, and before you know it, heck, we had 80 to 100 cows a few years later, and it kind of it actually got to be a little bit too much work for me by myself and, and riding bulls full-time as well, so we cut back cut back to about around 30 cows, and, uh, and you know, it's a never-ending process of cows doubling every year. It, it happens fast. Um, sure but anyhow, in, in 2010, uh, Ten, I guess. So the year after I won the world, we were, had some money and a, a piece of property came up for sale that was a pretty good deal. Not a thing on it, just bare land. And so uh, we bought that place. We bought is like almost 1,300 acres here in Alt, and uh, just started building, building and building pens. Actually, my my shop and my pens were the first thing that we got done before we ever even built the house. Um, so it's been just what are we 2019 now so nine years of uh, just building out here and it's finally finally come together like i want it heck yeah uh it's it's kind of it's kind of cool to see it all come together i'd say and heck you you have events now you you put on at your place there uh the uh, buckers unlimited and people come out and hang out and buck bulls and when's when is your event usually Usually my event is uh, end of July. I like to have it right during or right before uh, Cheyenne Frontier Day starts. Seems to be a pretty good time to catch everybody coming through here, and they can hit my event and Cheyenne. And uh, that's right, because last in eighteen you did have quite a few guys that that came to your event that had a team or two in Cheyenne at the CBR deal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we try to being on the board of Buckers Unlimited, we try to schedule our events not over the top of anybody else's, you know, make it work where where uh, guys can go to several events in one area and we're not trying to compete with with other guys that are trying to put on events as well. It seems like Buckers Unlimited's growing every year in the right direction. Well, it's sure, it's sure good to hear that because that was, that was always the goal behind us even starting it was just to, you know, just create something good. We're not trying to compete you know with anybody we're just trying to create a good place to be and a good place to compete yeah and it's, it shows for sure so kind of back to the cow deal on on our social media page uh did a story on on a cow of yours uh called party girl um i know she's pretty special to you you've done a bunch of flush work with her there's a bunch of those daughters in in your herd kind of kind of give us a little background on that cow how she came about and ended up in your program and then kind of how, how those daughters have been and her sons, uh, being that she's kind of the base of your deal. Yeah, so Party Girl turned turned out to be a heck of a buy for me. And I'm trying to think. I think we bought her in 2008. She was born in 05, so she was three. Um, Donnie Gowan teamed up. I don't know if he teamed up with Monty. I'd, I'd probably better not even say because I may not be right. But anyhow, she came from from Donnie Gowan. And uh, Don Brown had bought her 
I don't know if you remember Don Brown. He he used to he was actually partners on Evil Forces. He was kind of involved involved in the bull industry for a while. Um, anyhow, uh, we me and a, another guy, uh, Danny Keller out of Texas, bought Party Girl, and uh, you just on a on a chance basically. You know she wasn't proven then. She was just a young cow, but she was out of that great MSO cow of Monty Sanford's, and. Um, you know, that cow had produced so many good bulls that we wanted to give Party Girl a shot. So we bought her and um, did some flushes with her, and, and her calves were really, really working out good. And over the years, I ended up buying uh, buying Danny's half of her, and so now I own her outright, and uh, she's been amazing. There's not a cow in the world that throws 100% buckers, but I would I can honestly say I think Party Girl is about as close to it as it comes. Um, her her sons have all been usable at some level. Like I've never had one that just didn't buck. They, some are obviously much better than others, but they're all all usable. And I'm super excited about her daughters because the daughters, you know, that's kind of what I'm basing the future of my herd on. And uh, the MSO did so well. Party Girl has done good. I think that whole MSO line is just going to keep on working. And uh, so, yeah, I've been saving her daughters back. I've actually only only ever sold one of her daughters, and that was when I first got her. Um, and over the years, those daughters have started to produce really well. Uh, you know, it takes forever to, to prove a cow. But uh, I'm sure liking what I'm seeing out of them so far, and I've got a really good four-year-old right now that's out of one of her daughters. Um, and Thanks the for party. Um, so Gangster Party is a direct son out of her, but the the two dirty four year old um, is uh, is out of one of her daughters, a too legit daughter and, and party girl. Heck, they were they were ninety what ninety one points on them at a board riding up there, and it was about as wild athletic trip you you seen from a young bull trying his heart out. And heck, it was nice to see a guy try that hard too. Absolutely, it's it's incredible when uh, when a guy just sticks it on a bad son of a gun at, a, at an open bull rut, and you don't see that much these days. Um, but yeah, that bull's been athletic as can be from day one. His mind has just been what he's needed to catch up on, and uh, that kid he made a heck of a ride on him. That that bull too dirty too, if I remember right. Previous conversations with you, he was always kind of uh, kind of uh, stayed a little thin, hard to keep. And he he's been a work in progress, uh, but but he's finally I guess filling out uh, due to some experiments with uh, what weight gainers and such. Yeah, yeah, he was always just so nervous. He uh, would sit there and eat. He'd take a bite and he'd have to wander off and watch everything, and then he'd come back and take a bite. Um, feeding in a group setting, you know, that just doesn't work because the other bulls would stick their heads in the stick their heads down and eat till it's gone, and he would he wouldn't get his share. So yeah, I ended up just working with him a lot, trying to settle him down and, and ended up pinning him by himself for a long time and getting some weight put on him. And now he's back with the group of bulls and, and doing a lot better. I think he's finally coming into his own on realizing that the world's not out to get him all the time. <laughs> Seems to be the, the attitude of a lot of these buck and bulls are oh, yeah. not real friendly till you get to handle them and, and show them that we're, we're their friend, not, not here to hurt them. I got a question for you, Cody. I don't know if you're the guy to answer it or not, but being that you rode bulls and you're raising them now, a little off subject here, but the Highmark Bull of Phoenix this weekend, if you watched it, was that spotted demon. He's 11 years old. That's mind blowing, isn't it? What do you? I mean, yeah, you don't you don't see that. You, you know? Do you think it's do you think it's a genetics thing? Do you think it's – I mean, he wasn't – two years ago in 2017, he wasn't putting up the marks he's putting up now, and he did in 2018. Yeah. I mean – As a – I don't know. I mean, I don't have an exact answer for you, but I think something like that, that is just kind of a freak of nature. Um, and I can't explain why, you know, like the the – the breeding is just, you know, there's been lots of bulls bred kind of similar and, and they have average careers, but I think those really great ones like that, for whatever reason, they just turn on, but for him to be Aren't doing he? it, 
and he's been good for a long time. You know, yeah. he's been good for a long time, but now he's better than good. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't. I've never actually seen one turn it on this late in their life. Like it's pretty, it's pretty unreal. And I, I don't know. You can kind of base it on, like on it as a rider. Like Adriano won his third world title when he was thirty six. If you think about that now, it's yeah. But Adriano had won two world titles before that. <laughs> Spotted Demon True. hasn't. You know. Yeah, yeah, you're you're totally right. But I don't know. It's the pit. I got. I remember Chicken on a Chain threw me off one time when he was 12, and I felt like I just got beat up by an old man, like I was embarrassed. <laughs> and uh, I think I'd feel the same way even now on on Spotted Demon as hard as he bucks. It's still like getting your butt whipped by an old man. Uh, one, a couple things I want to touch base on that we haven't uh, got to yet. You you is in the in the cattle industry for that. It's kind of had some adversity, uh, I'd say, over the last handful of years uh first being um you'd put together some herd sires and building your cow herd and and mother nature came in and swiped you out with a flood um what how how did that affect your deal and and how did you i mean obviously you didn't let it stop you or slow you down but was it difficult recouping losing the bulls that you did the cows that you did kind of talk about that whole subject okay yeah the uh that flood we had in 2013 was kind of the pits. We'd we'd been in a drought in 2012 and had a lot of forest fires and stuff. And uh, then then it just in 2013 it just started raining and raining and raining and raining. And anyhow, because of the the drought and and all the the ground that had kind of been ruined and the fires in the mountains and stuff, all that runoff just come down, just streaming down the mountains into the rivers and. Uh, just flooded everything around here and one of the least pastures i had was right where these three rivers come out of the mountain and meet and uh this pasture i had it was great great pasture it was right on the river and it actually had kind of like a berm around three sides of it that was about 10 foot tall and it just always had good grass down in there and everything and uh when that flood hit I was actually at the PBR in Springfield, Missouri, or I was headed that way. And um, the guy that owns that land called me and he said, hey, the pasture's filling up with water. Uh, what do you want me to do? I was like, well, I'll get somebody over there to get those cattle out. And he called me an hour later. I'd, I'd been trying to get a hold of people and couldn't get nobody to get over there. He called me an hour later and said that those cattle were swimming. And... uh and asked what I wanted him to do. And I'm like, open the gates, try to push them out, do whatever you got to do. And uh, then our phone called, got disconnected, and I could never get back a hold of him again. And so I'm kind of freaking out, trying to figure out what to do with this situation. And I'm trying to get people over there, and, you know, they're dealing with their own flooding problems and, and can't get over there. And finally, um, that that landowner called me. I don't know how many hours later, but he was crying and uh, just felt terrible. He said, I, he said he couldn't get the gates open. Those cows were like trying to climb on top of each other to, to stay out of the water and calves were, were, were drowning. And uh, he just was heartbroken over it. And obviously I didn't, wasn't too excited about the situation either. And uh, he just apologized and, and said, He's sorry he couldn't do it any better, but he had to go because his place, you know, was underwater. He was trying to do what he could for that place. Um, so eventually, uh, well, sorry, I, I, that night I never did hear hear back from him again. Um, I rode, rode my bull in Springfield, turned around, got in my car. It was a three-day event, and this is Friday night. I got back in my car and started driving home because I had to, I just couldn't stand being there and not being here to help help with everything. So eventually that next morning I was just about home and some people had managed to get back in there to see what was going on. And I, you know, had had dead cattle here and there. And fortunately some of the neighbors actually saw what was going on and they went out in that pasture with canoes and roped some of the cattle that were still alive and drug them out to higher ground. And, uh, then unfortunately another 
group of people came in and there was I don't know 15 cows they pulled out of there and this other group of people got on four wheelers and were trying to get them rounded up I don't know where they thought they were going to put them but they actually ended up you know these cattle are so wild and they'd been through all that they'd just been through they were just out of their minds and these people actually run the whole herd jumped back in the river oh man uh and I lost quite a few more at that point too um but but yeah i got back there the next day and uh i was just trying to find cattle and and put together the pieces and and see where everything was at and uh, rounded up some and i couldn't find that good cow party girl and i had a full sister to her as well that was missing so we searched for weeks and weeks trying to find them, and I actually ended up hearing a rumor from one of the neighbors that they said they saw some cattle, and they described them, and it sounded just like Party Girl and her sister. And so from a friend of a friend, I ended up getting hooked up. A guy took me up in a helicopter to uh, to fly around and look for these cows, and we ended up finding Party Girl and her sister out on this big old sandbar, um, like basically on the island out in this roaring river and uh and we were able to devise a plan to get in there and, and get them pushed out and it was kind of a treacherous deal but uh fortunately I had a lot of good friends that helped me out and we we got them saved but but anyhow i lost you know a lot of good cows out there's a really good daughter of voodoo child that was in there that drowned i had a the breed bull uh segs the juice that was a son of mr juicy uh high marked money bull in the PBR, I don't remember what year it was, but super cool bull that I just got, and he he drowned actually. He he drowned because he was swimming in that pasture, and the water was so high, he actually got his foot tangled up in the top wire of a barbed wire fence that was out there. Wow. Um, and so he was still stuck to that fence. Um, but you know, that's life. That's, it, it sure could have been a lot worse. You know, there's lots of people that lost their homes and everything they had. Um, so it's, it's devastating to lose anything, but, uh, but yeah, we just put our nose down and kept working and, and got, you know, got the herd built back up and we'll never be able to replace those, those cattle that died, but we can, you know, hopefully, hopefully their, their offspring and everything will, will make up for it. And now it's One, back to being dry. Yeah, yeah. Now we're dry. I could sure use some some moisture again. <laughs> it was it's crazy, you know. That that pasture was closer to the mountains, kind of. I live on the prairie. I'm an hour from the mountains, and even with that rain we had, my I got just kind of rolling hills and stuff on my place, and uh, it looked like I lived basically in a lake with islands all around me. Wow. Um, on the prairie, it was unreal to see. I had. I had ponds on my place for two years after that that were never there before and haven't been there since. That's that's sure a freaking lot of water there. Yeah, it was it was something, man. I just I've never seen anything like that. They said it was like a thousand year flood. Wow. Wow. So kind of we're gonna I guess move to a, a different kind of a sour subject that turned pretty dang positive at the end. But uh, Gangster Party, um, one of your good, uh, I guess he'd be a four-year-old this year, huh? Um, yep. But he'd break his jaw as a as a two-year-old, yearling? Yeah, he was just two. Um, and actually, that two dirty bull that we spoke about earlier that has been such a psycho his whole life is the bull that broke Gangster Party's jaw. Uh, two dirty was running 90 miles an hour down the alley. And a gangster was just coming out of his pen, and they met. They t-boned at the corner of that pen, and uh, just sounded like somebody took a swing at a tree with a baseball bat, just a big old crack. And I was getting ready there. Actually, I was the reason I was even moving them is because I was going to load them in the trailer to take them to a, a futurity. And uh, so yeah, he 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 broke it bad. He broke it in three spots. Um, obviously couldn't use his jaw his tongue was also paralyzed it was like hanging out of his mouth he, he couldn't do nothing with it you could grab it and fool with it and he couldn't couldn't fight you so we uh we run him in and uh, reset his jaw but obviously he needed to eat and drink and everything so we hooked him up to an iv and 
tried tubing him, you know, I created some sort of a uh mixture of I don't even remember what it was, but mush. Yeah, mushy stuff. I could push through a pump and had a hose down his throat. And we did get him tubed, but he, he tried to chomp on that tube so bad it totally screwed up his jaw again. And so we reset his jaw and decided to do a ruminostomy on him. And so ruminostomy is where you cut a hole in the flank, uh, reach in, grab the stomach, pull it up, and you sew the stomach to the side wall of their, you know, their side there at the flank where you cut the hole, and then cut a hole in the stomach, and you put a, a you actually sew a tube in there to keep that hole open so it doesn't heal shut, and uh, feed him directly into his room and and uh, did that, fed him every day through that tube for for two months. And I remember I just, your wife Candace telling me one time we were talking about it, and she said it'd be the the dead ass of winter, and she she'd be out there mixing this up, feeding this bull, just thinking there was no way he was gonna make it, and and you guys just kept plugging away, and one day he just all of a sudden had life to him. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge testament to how much heart that bull has, because you know as as bull owners and and animal people, we try our butts off to save every one of them. Uh, there's not one that that doesn't get a hundred percent effort from us and a lot of them don't make it anyways and especially like on a horse that injury would have been a death sentence no way they'd have made it but but yeah he uh he turned into a skeleton man uh and i thought several times he was going to die too and he just kept fighting and kept fighting and eventually he was able to start eating on his own a little bit what i actually ended up feeding him when he could start eating was uh distiller grain and alfalfa leaves he could just kind of nibble it and get it down and we also used a a, a machine on his face and his tongue and everything and, and actually got his tongue working again as well uh, and then when we closed up that hole it was kind of a scary deal because uh, you know you can just we could have pulled that tube out and sewed him up and he'd have lived like he'd have been just fine but his stomach, his rumen, still would have been attached to his sidewall. Like, it healed like that. And I didn't think, as a bucking bull, that would work very good, having his stomach stuck to his sidewall. So we actually cut the stomach loose and had to sew it back shut. So he's got, like, a nine-inch uh, long cut that's all sewed up on his stomach. We throw that back in there uh, and then sew up the hole in his flank and... uh and hopefully he's good to go. Well, then he totally quit eating, like absolutely would not touch food. And I don't blame him. Like his stomach probably hurt something awful. Um, and he shriveled up into skeleton again. And I'm not, not kidding you. He was within a day of death. I'm sure of it. Like I thought I'd gone through all this work and this thing's going to die anyways. And, uh, he finally, finally just started eating again and, uh, turned it around and has been, you know, been been fine now. It's been pretty incredible. Just kind of the, the testament of that bull has going. How, how much? Uh, what's his career earnings so far coming into his four year old year? Uh, his career earnings are somewhere right there around thirty five, forty thousand. I I told you once a while back, but I can't remember what it, exactly what it was. It's it's pretty crazy that a bull goes from not not just an injury, but to the extent of what what you guys did, we've talked about him before, and heck, I didn't know half that. And uh, and comes back and, and is able to to buck and perform at the level that he is, and win dang near forty grand, and still has a year left to go. Yeah, definitely, and especially for him because I didn't. I only took him to one event as a yearling, and he won he won second there. And then, you know, nearly his pretty much his entire two year old year he was hurt and then I took him to like three events at the end of his two year old year. Um so so yeah, he he kinda I don't know, it's a pretty special bull. It's you know, try hard not to get attached to many of them, but but man when they when they show you that kind of heart, it's hard not to get attached to them. So have you bred to him yet, Cody? What's that? Have you bred to him yet? Yeah, I did. Last year, I put him on some heifers um, and just pan bred him here at the house so I could uh, still compete with him. And then I'm gonna I'll breed to him again, again this year, obviously. But it's just it's kind of tough, I think, to breed to those bulls that you're competing with as well, just for the fact that 
you know, especially when you turn them out on pasture and they're hustling cows and running all over the place, it's hard to keep that good condition on them. Yeah. And uh, still, still have them compete at the best level they can. So besides, go ahead, Thor. You're having calves born right now. You guys don't have calves until later in the spring when it starts to warm up, right? Actually, I I have calves uh, right now. I just had my first one today. And you've got some out of him already, or not yet, or? Not yet. No, those heifers should be here in probably another three weeks. Man, that'll be exciting. That'll be way cool. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I think you know that everybody tries to breed to something special, you know. And I think when you find something that's got that heart, if they can pass that heart into your herd, it could do wonders for you because that's what it takes. The intensity and the heart, I think, is what makes makes those great bulls what they are. What kind of heifers did he get last year? I'm trying to think. Last year he bred. I uh, had some. I've got. Uh, I had a crosswired son that I had some daughters out of him, and then I had a Showtime son um, that I got from H or that come from HD. Uh, had some daughters of his, and then actually I think there might have been one or two daughters out of Party Girl's full brother. Um, another another Houdini MSO type bull. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, I'd say, uh, Thor, you've been thinking? Oh, yeah. yeah I've been thinking. <laughs> Cody, you probably got lots of options. Cody, you've seen a lot of bulls. I think uh, I'm going to do some do some research right right quick while you're uh, thinking of some bulls. But, Cody, you, you know how many bulls you've been on uh, in your professional career? Oh, man, I have – not a great idea a bunch i know like on bull stats or whatever they keep kind of record of it and it's over a thousand but i know it's over 1100 is it yeah gotcha yeah and so that's rough i don't know maybe add another 500 to that from stuff that they miss <laughs> hey, before, before we go to that talk about the rodeo deal you you went rodeoing later in your career didn't you yeah yeah i did I did go back to rodeo and I just kind of, we had, we you know we've got that summer break from the PBR and I thought it'd be kind of fun to go to some rodeos during that break. And so I think in 2012, maybe I, I started going to some rodeos over the break and, uh, and then the following years, I just kind of did the same thing, just go with rodeo over the break. And then in 2015, I actually, uh, I went to the first built Ford tough event of the year. And then like I, at the time I just, I was kind of burnt out, honestly, I, I was ready to go do something different for a while and just get a new a change of scenery. And so I told the PBR I was going to take a break for the year and I was going to go rodeo and, and I'd be back later. And uh, so, yeah, my winter ro- I was rodeo in 2015 and that was the plan was to make the NFR and then go from there. And uh, unfortunately I had some pretty strange health issues that uh, you know, sidelined me for about two and a half years. And I didn't, uh, then I come back and ended up retiring. So long story short is, uh, is yeah, I, I rodeoed some. I just never, never did uh, fulfill that goal of uh, going to the finals. Gotcha. Well, are you ready for the game, Kyle? Um, I've been waiting on you, Thor. <laughs> you got a game we like to play. I think it's interesting because I think it, uh, I think it makes a guy think. And basically, the, what it is, I'll explain it to you. Uh, before you start killing bulls like uh, Cord <laughs> McCoy did on on the last episode, Cord started killing bulls before I even told him uh, the bulls. But uh, he had one picked out from Diamond S named Blizzard that he couldn't wait. He'd been waiting for somebody to ask him this question so that he could butcher him. But anyways, you'll have to if you haven't already, you'll have to listen to the podcast. But uh, I'll I'll name three bulls and and you get the choice out of those three bulls. You've got a buck one. Put them on your truck, haul them down the road, compete with them, whatever your game is. you got to breed one, turn them out on your cows and breed them, and then you you know, get resulting calves in, in this hypothetical scenario. And then you've got to butcher one because, you know, we've got to eat two in the bottom line. So the yeah. three bulls that I've picked out for you will start will start at the back uh, back of time and move, move forward. Gunslinger, okay. Pandora's Box, and Smackdown. Oh man, those are all three great bulls, but one of them's got to be uh, dinner. One of them's got to be your uh, herd sire. The other one 
He's got to go out on. Uh, he's got to go on your truck, man. Before before we hear an answer, Cody, uh, you got any stories about either uh, Pandora's box or SmackDown? I just, I'm just going to go on a limb and say you probably never got on Gunslinger. No, no, I'm not quite that aged <laughs> yet. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, interesting story. Uh, my very first Built for Tough event I went to. That was back when they still had the Mossy Oak Shootout. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I rode a little bull of Lufkins called Zorro. First, you know, first event, first round, I ride Zorro, win the round. And the Mossy Oak Shootout bull was Pandora's box. Well, when I would got off of Zorro, he'd hooked the crap out of me and then fell on me, and he broke a couple ribs. And uh, so, anyhow, I didn't, uh, didn't end up getting on the uh the mossy oak shootout bull because i I couldn't really breathe uh jw hart won second in the round and so he had to get on pandora's box and he freaking hated pandora's box like i don't know how many times that bull drilled him and uh he looked at me and i I don't remember what he said (laughs) but it just cracked me up because he was so happy that i'd beat him in the round and then i got hurt and he had to get on pandora's box anyways and uh, it went, it went like he thought it was going to go. Man, Pandora's box was something else. He he was a bull that it traveled so many miles, and and uh, he wasn't real rider friendly. I actually, I got on him one time in Santa Fe at a pro rodeo, and showed up late. Was in the first section. Didn't even know there was a first section. <laughs> uh, out of a ride, like yeah, out of a right round of the left, roading through all that, move ahead you know, how he is, rode him through that. Mm-hmm. He turned back to the right at about six and a half, and we make it around and lose my rope buck off. We'd have been a ton, but, uh, yeah, he was he was a handful. Yeah, for sure, that bull, he lasted a long time and, and never got rode a whole lot. Them guys told me that did ride him. They said if you put your rope just as far forward as you could get it, he rode really easy. Well, he was pretty uh, flat back, so that might, that might have been something to that. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, others I never did get on him. But but SmackDown, on the other hand, I got on him a bunch, and you know at this time when they started, it was when he'd come around and we had that draft, and so uh, I picked him, the, or maybe I drew him or picked him. You know, the first time I rode him right to the whistle, my hand came out of the rope, and I was like, all right, I'll get him next time, and he bucked me off the next time, and so now it started to get a little bit personal. And I picked that bull five or six times, and I never did get him rode like uh, well, he crazy. moved. He moved really weird. I mean, he he wasn't patterned like uh, Pandora's box at all, but they were similar in the fact that they both had something to them, like they moved weird. And I yeah. I think even SmackDown, you could see it just as you know, just watching it, you could see he had some stuff to him. Yeah, he was just different, man. Like the. He had a lot of whip, like in and out, but then he was—he didn't have much for shoulders, so it always felt like well, you were gonna slide yeah. up over his shoulders. That's what I was gonna ask. I never got on him. I, I was never really around him, but he did look like he was made pretty weird. Is that was he was he pretty ill-made? Yeah, yeah, built weird and just felt felt different than most mm-hmm. bulls. But uh, but anyhow, yeah, I picked him and picked him and picked him, and I was costing myself so much money. Eventually, I said <laughs> to myself, I'm gonna pick something else. <laughs> <laughs> at some point, the, the, the dollar does uh, start to come into play. Yeah, at some point. Yeah. But, so I guess you better make your picks. Yeah. So I've made my picks, and it's, you got you guys made it tough on me. But what what do you want me to start with? Whatever, however you want to sell it, man. This is <laughs> this is your deal. I want to hear Kyle's picks too afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I want to hear your guys' picks as well. So, I'm going to pick Gunslinger to breed to because my party girl cow, the absolute best calf I've ever had out of her was actually a Gunslinger, and he broke his leg, and I never got to uh, got to do a whole lot with him, but he was really, really good. So, I'm going to pick Gunslinger to breed to. I'm going to put Pandora's box on my truck because I know that he'll take the road and he'll buck wherever we take him. And I'm gonna kill SmackDown because he cost me so much stinking money in my career, <laughs> and because he will feed a lot of people. Absolutely, yeah. he'll, he'll weigh people. out the most. Yeah. Chad Berger, if you're listening, I hope you're not mad, but that's what I picked. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Cal? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm probably probably honestly gonna gonna go the same way as Cody and I don't have any personal reasons against SmackDown but I always thought he he, he didn't I never r- rode bull so I I can't say uh that I wouldn't like to have got on him but he didn't look like he'd ride real good and I thought he was just big and slow looking but obviously he had had something to him and I mean I was just looking up some markings Pandora's box I mean that bull had a lot of green markings on pro bull stats, which is a extreme good thing. And yeah, he was in a little different era though. You, you know, no, SmackDown I, came I, around a little a little later, and you know he might. I mean, SmackDown in today's era. I mean, I don't know that Pandora's box holds up today, does he? Oh yeah, I think so. He, you think he's in, he's a short round bull today? Oh, I don't I don't know. Thor, you you watch some of the bulls. I I don't want to get into any of that, but. But I think I think the bull bull last still. I mean, he it, he had he a did. degree of difficulty going the other way out of out of a right, yeah. and he was long. He was. But uh, uh, that's that's just my uh, my my picks. Well, there you go. Or, Lots of people get fed. I don't. Ah, man, I don't know. I guess uh, I don't. I don't. I haven't seen any SmackDown calves. I'd like to think he'd he'd uh, he'd be a good breeder, but I don't have any idea. I've seen a couple Pandora's box calves, but he's kind of the same boat. I don't know how much he got bred to. I don't, you know, I don't know all those details. And obviously, Gunslinger, lots of, lots of great calves, and I think it's a tough one. But we know what Cody's going to do, and that's all anybody cares about anyway. So <laughs> this I'll is like a, a strange game of would you rather? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Cody, uh, appreciate you coming on to Bug and Stock News podcast and talking with us a little bit about your bull riding career and. And then leading into the to the bull business, um, I do want to do something a little different. And ask just because you you as a kid, you know, uh, followed your dreams, and it seems like uh, the generations have changed and, and stuff. It, it, is there anything that that you could give some some slight advice to to a, a young bull rider that's that's wanting to be a world champion uh, to to keep their head up and, and maybe keep following that dream? Other yeah. than drop out of college and drive really fast. <laughs> well, that'll help you reach your goal. Uh, <laughs> it helps you anyways. Yeah. What, hey, man, it's a, it's a means to an end. Yeah. Um, no, that the man, I'm, I'm thankful that you asked me that question because uh, there's so much that goes into the success that these guys are, are seeing from their heroes on TV that they don't get to see the the work that was put into it. There's not a guy riding that didn't work his tail off uh, to become as good as he is. He wasn't born that way. I wasn't born that way. Maybe there were certain traits they were born with. And I'd like, uh, you know, most bull riders, bull riders are pretty stubborn and hard headed. I think that's a great trait uh, because that means you're just going to have that will to succeed that much more and, and don't, don't let failure keep you down. But anyhow, my my biggest thing I always preach to the to the kids is is just working hard and believing in yourself because nobody's nobody's going to believe in you for you. Uh, you got to believe it in yourself and uh, just take that little bit that step every day. You know, you don't have to get a hundred percent better every night, but if you can get one percent better every day, you know, uh, before you know it, you've improved a ton and you're that much closer to fulfilling your dreams. Progression, so, not perfection. Exactly, and enjoy the 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 process because the process is when your career's over, you remember the process and the things you went through. The things you won is great, but the experiences you had is what it's all about. Well, there you have it. All right. Well, I'm sure honored that you guys uh, asked me to come on, man. It uh, means a lot to to have you. I I think uh, yeah, no no worries. We it was it was fun. I think. This this one here may have been uh, one of the better story time store. There was uh, I think so. rodeo stories, flood stories. Uh, yeah, drop. Yeah, I mean all near, kinds of near, yeah. near death stories. Yeah, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you well, can't borrow a stranger's van to get to the bull riding, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> uh, if you got just a second, I'll tell you the rest of that story too, which is pretty good as well. Let's finish it off with the rest of the story. Okay, so the rest of the story of the borrowed van, we went to Salina and rode. Uh, I was actually entered in a rodeo the next day, 
And so I caught a ride from Salina with somebody else to that rodeo. And Josh, his girlfriend, and Tony stayed there. And they didn't have, like, they didn't pack no clothes. They didn't have nothing. And the part that they needed to fix the van, they actually couldn't get for a week. Uh, So they stayed in a motel somewhere out there in the middle of Kansas uh, for, like, three days. And they had to go to Walmart and buy clothes. And they were packing these clothes around in a little plastic bag and they're still driving this van around and the uh not the serpentine belt but the belt that uh that uh propel or uh, powered the ac had broke on that van and so now they're driving around don't have any ac sweating their butt off in the middle of summer uh and i actually ended up coming home going to denver to get the part that they needed to fix the jeep and driving it back out to kansas Holy smokes. So they could get their Jeep <laughs> fixed and everybody could get home without having to wait there for a week. So how did wow. you get back to Denver, you say? Uh, I, I jumped in with a guy and rode to that rodeo, and then uh, he was a friend of mine that lived up here, so I just rode back back here with him. That's awesome. That's dedication for sure. <laughs> I bet, I bet too, that's pretty dang neat experience being you guys were 18, 19 years old and, and not real sure how you're going to get home yet. Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, I think that'd be something that'd be pretty cool to get some guys on your podcast, too, and just talk about old rodeo stories and the experiences you've had. Man, I <laughs> wish I'd have wrote a book because it'd be fun to read through now. Oh, I, I can imagine. Oh, well, uh, Cody, it's been great. Thanks for uh, thanks for the story time and getting on here and talking with us. Um, I sure enjoyed it. This has been another episode of uh, Buck and Stock News podcast. Uh, we're now powered by Two Bulls. Uh, performance feeds. We want to thank Jim McClain and the Two Bulls group uh, for jumping on board, believing in in Buckingstock News and and what we're doing. Um, we'd like to invite everybody to uh, go to twobulls.net backslash bsn. Um, go go order some products right now um, until February first. Uh, you'll receive ten percent off any black label product as well as uh, the Pro Breeder Mineral. Uh, I guess if I were at it, Thor, uh, what, what's your take on the on the pro breeder mineral? You know you've had some success, cows that are 20 years old still live breeding and having calves. Yeah, I've used I've used it for uh, for a couple of years now, and I'm a big fan, man. We've got one one of our best cows, 968 Addie Lou, 20 years old, born in 1999. She just had a, another good heifer calf, and she's been on it for several years. So I'm I'm a believer, and we've we've turned around in other cattle. One of our herd bulls, we kind of got him going back in the right direction but big fan heck yeah i know i heard a story of lauren high in canada 007 the sired i'm a gangster couldn't collect uh and or semen was real poor um he he got on the pro breeder mineral um that bull turned around they collected a bunch of uh freezable semen on that bull uh after the fact and in a personal experience of my own uh i had a bull i bought take took a chance on as a breed bull uh, he had failed multiple BSE tests, and he I put him on the mineral for 60, 75 days and took him to champion. Heck, he, he collected no no problem, passed fine, freezable semen. Uh, I've got semen on him, you know. I think it's something uh, for people people to uh, take a look at for sure. I think a, a mineral program is, is something that a lot of people overlook per se, um, but we'd like to – we just want to invite you – tubules.net backslash bsn check it out and thanks for listening guys